Welcome to This Is A Man's World, She Who Dares Wins. Yay, it's the first ever podcast. My name is Michelle Hans and I've been working in the construction industry for over 12 years now. And I thought it was about time that I shared my crazy stories and experiences with the world. I'm going to have some special guests on throughout these series. My guests are going to be from all walks of life and talk to others about how they've survived a man's world as well. Why a podcast? Well, why not? I currently have a YouTube channel where I upload vlogs from myself at work. I have an Instagram page. I have a blog. This is a mansworld.co.uk. So a podcast was the next step. Now let's start with my story. Let's go back to Michelle as a quiet introvert girl. Yep, that's right. During my early school years, I was extremely shy and not very clever, to be honest. <laughs> As around about, I think it's about 11 years old, my parents decided that I was struggling at school. So I got transferred into a private school. Just to give you a little bit of context, it was an all-girls school and there were only, I think, 15 of us in the whole year. Yeah, that's that's insane. If you imagine some kind of, it wasn't a nunnery, but if you imagine that, very strict. And I was thrown from like the public system into this private system. It was crazy. But yeah, it was, it was good. It was good for my education. I ended up coming out with GCSEs, pretty average, I would say. And then from that, I went to what we would say in the UK, I guess, is like the college years, but I actually went to a private school. I didn't board. I was a day pupil and the school was super focused on sport, which I absolutely loved because growing up, I was kind of a little bit of a tomboy. Absolutely loved sport. So that was good. But also the second school that I went to for my A-levels had boys. Yeah. And it was my kind of like first ever exposure no, it wasn't really. Um, I was exposed to boys outside of school. But it was good because I felt like I was deprived of, you know, the male community growing up in an all-girls school. And maybe that's why I ended up in construction. Who knows? I don't think it is, but it could be. It could be that I just, you know, I was starved of men for so long. When I was let out into the job world, I just craved men. No, this, is, this all sounds so wrong. Let's get back to where we were at school. So I did A-levels. I think I did completely irrelevant subjects to engineering. Yeah, I did. I did geography, drama, business studies, and something else that I really flunked. I can't remember what it was. General studies. Yep, that's the one. Everyone flunks general studies. I came out with some pretty decent A-levels and decided to go to university. I went to Birmingham University and I studied geography. I did geography because... I loved it. I loved traveling and I did a lot of traveling with my parents. And I used to 
just learn whilst I was abroad. So I didn't really have much textbook knowledge on geography. And then when I did exams, I would relate everything to what I'd learned by traveling and ended up getting a really high score. So I was like a grade A student for geography. So it made complete sense to study this at university. Truth is, I thought it was going to be super interesting but it was kind of boring because as everyone knows, when you get to degree level, you start focusing intensely on like small subject areas. And for me, mountains and river sedimentation was, yeah, it was mind bogglingly boring. I actually probably should have taken the route of business studies, but that's time gone past. We, I don't have any regrets now. So I did a geography degree and struggled through three years I'm really not good at focusing. So, you know, doing studying on your own and doing dissertations was a really hard thing for me. But nonetheless, I got to the end and I came out with a degree. But more importantly, when I was finishing my degree and writing my final dissertation, I just completely out of the blue, especially for someone who was incredibly quiet. Actually, I should say that during university, I probably came out of my shell a little bit more. But I decided I wanted to be an actress. Yep. What every quiet person wants to do is to go on stage and, you know, be in front of hundreds of people. And I didn't want to train and be an actress in the UK because that would have been simple. I was going to go to America. Yeah, I was going to go to Los Angeles and go and be super famous. You know, I was going to be discovered on the streets of Los Angeles and within 12 months be on, you know, television film and of course receiving an Oscar. <laughs> I laugh now but I'm pretty sure that was my intention. So I did. I went to Los Angeles and I went to film school and it was amazing. One of the best experiences I've ever done. I think studying acting really helped me to come out of my shell as well. It was like the most scariest thing but being someone else helped me, you know, just come out of my shell and yeah, it was good. It was it was really good. Anyway, reality hit that I couldn't stay in America forever because you need a visa and you need to be working and I didn't have an endless supply of money. So I flew home and a friend of my brother's got me a summer job. Now, this is where I landed in construction. And you can see it literally was falling into a job. It was a summer job that no one had ever heard of. It was a really good like hourly rate. So I was thinking, you know, if I get this job and I can blag it, then I'd be able to afford to go back out to Los Angeles, do some more film work. You can see where I'm going with this. So I took the job. And to be honest with you, I probably should have had a little bit more knowledge on geology than, you know, geography. But nonetheless, I survived. <laughs> now we can get to the theme of this podcast. Yeah, I took the job and it was working in construction on landfill. And my job was to sit between a construction firm and the client and the environment agency and make sure that the construction firm were doing what they should be doing and that the client was happy and that the environment agency were happy. It was actually like a really hard, stressful job. But because I was thrown in as a newbie and I didn't know too much, it wasn't really that daunting. I always just have this idea that I will you know learn as I go along and that was amazing because it really helped me and I learned very quickly it turned out I was actually quite good at the job um I was doing material testing and report writing 
and loved it. And it was seasonal. I was working, you know, six, maybe seven, eight months of the year, earning a very good salary and then spending the rest of my time traveling and jumping back into acting work. The role I did was called Construction Quality Assurance. So that's how I got into construction. Now, where did it go from there? I spent about five years doing this job. And because it was such a small industry, my name got out there and I was requested through agencies to go on quite a few different jobs. I traveled the country a fair bit, uh, tried to stay close to home. But yeah, I worked on loads of landfill sites up and down the country, worked with lots of different construction companies and environmental consultancies. And because I was freelance, I could pick up and drop jobs when I wanted to. I didn't really drop too many jobs because it turned out I enjoyed the majority of them. And I got a little bit of name for myself and a reputation. So I, yeah, I stuck with it for, I think, about five years. And after about five years, I got itchy feet and my brother wanted to leave his job as a pharmaceutical sales rep. And we came up with this crazy idea that we should start a business selling plumbing chemicals because he had a background in chemistry. And long story short, we had thought that it would be great to develop a product that we knew would be cheaper than what was on the market. Neither of us had any experience in the plumbing industry. This was like the most stupid idea ever. But I think it was right at the time of Breaking Bad and we <sighs> emulated, I think that's the right word, Heisenberg. You know, the two of us, we made this chemical in a garage. <laughs> ridiculous bottled it up and then Richie just traveled around the country going to plumbing depots and selling our product we came up with like logos we designed everything and yeah it was so good it's so stupid to think back that we could think about starting a business not knowing anything but we did and it was the craziest time ever for like two years it was amazing, the things that we did, the things that we overcome. But in the end, it didn't really work out because we started a business in a recession. Yes. And one of our biggest competitors decided that they didn't really want us in the market. So they made it extremely difficult for us to carry on. So that was the end of the business side of things. And I was still doing acting. But at this point in time, I'd moved away from training and doing acting to actually be more interested in work behind the camera. So I think around about that point, I directed my first ever film. It was a horror film. And yeah, this doesn't really relate to construction, but it's a cool little backstory. I did a horror film that went on to short film festival circuit. It involved a lady called Eileen Dietz, who was in The Exorcist. She was Rapunzel, the actual face of The Exorcist, so not Linda Blair. Crazy scenario where she read the script, loved it, came over and filmed it. And it did quite well on like an independent film festival. So my love for film was still there. And I was still going to go on and produce and direct little short films that, you know, film has always been an interest of mine and storytelling. Finishing the business, where did we go next? Back to landfill. Yeah, the job was still there and the industry 
Yeah, I'd take a little bit of a decline, but we'd still got a good reputation. At this point, my brother had started doing this work with me. So we jumped back into it. It was an easy way to make money. I knew exactly what I was doing. So it was the perfect way to kind of bide my time to then think about what it was I wanted to do long term. Now, I say long term because the landfill industry was in decline. You know, everyone's recycling. We're putting less in the ground these days, which is great for the environment. But from a career perspective, I needed to be thinking about what I wanted to do long term. So jumped back into landfill. I think I did that for like two or three summers. And then I started working alongside a engineer, a construction engineer. So in this country, we're called site engineers. And we're responsible for setting out the job and doing land surveys, doing lines and levels, looking at drawings, basically showing people where and how to build things. With very little knowledge, I started to quiz this engineer And he said to me, well, look, you know the job in terms of what I'm doing on landfill. Why don't you go and train, use the equipment, because we have to use equipment to be a site engineer, and see if you can get into the field. So I did. You know, I don't have a civil engineering degree. I've never claimed to have a civil engineering degree. And I think it's really important for everyone who follows me on social media to know that I kind of went in the back door. But I did. I retrained and then found it incredibly hard to get a job because the landfill industry, I'd got a name for myself. I was known. Now I was phoning up agencies and saying, I'm going to be, I want to be a site engineer. I've got the qualifications. And the first thing they said to me was, well, what experience do you have on site? Well, great. I had, you know, over seven years experience on site, but not as a site engineer. And some crazy things happens. You know, I spoke to an agency and the guy there was like, yeah, but you're a girl. There aren't any site engineers that are girls. You're never going to get a job. I was massively disheartened by this. And then I ended up talking to this guy again and he was like, I could get you on as a, you know, an assistant, which would be great to get into the industry. But the pay was just half of what I was earning before. And I was really just not prepared to do that because I knew in my mind's mind that I could do the job if just given the opportunity. So it took a lot of hard graft. And I think I waited like two or three months. I was getting very disheartened by the response I was getting back. But eventually, I think I struck it lucky in the fact that the UK industry had a mass shortage of engineers. And a project came up in Nottingham on the Nottingham tram. And I went for the interview and there'd been, I think, over like 150 engineers on this project, which was a colossal amount. And for numerous reasons, they'd left. I think it gives you an indication when a project goes through so many engineers that there's a lot of problems. But for me, I didn't care. This was an opportunity. I took the interview. I was honest about my experience, but I was just so super keen And they gave me a shot. They decided to, you know, put me alongside a mentor for two weeks and it was sink or swim. Literally, the site manager said to me, uh, section manager, he was like, I'm going to give you two weeks. And if you survive, great. If you don't, we'll have to get rid of you. So here I was back at the beginning, delving into an area, delving into a career I had no idea about but I met a guy who was kind of like my mentor took me under the wing and I just soaked up as much information as I possibly could during this job I survived the two weeks I had like a gang to look after and the gang was run by this crazy guy who yeah he was a football hooligan 
and he just shouted at me the whole time. He left me down a two and a half meter hole without a ladder for a joke. It wasn't funny. Uh, <laughs> it's funny now. But it was my real true introduction into like heavy construction. There were thousands on the tram. And interestingly enough, there was one other female site engineer that I met. And I was like, oh, great, there are other female site engineers. Little did I realise that this would only be the case if I was ever on massive projects. But I did it. It was incredible. I survived, I think I did about 12 weeks. And then because it was working away from home, I decided to move project. And because I effectively wanted to be with my now husband, who was moved to another area of the country. So my first project, I survived. So what next? Back relocated at the other end of the country. I was kind of back at the beginning, phoning agencies, trying to find more work. And I had a phone call to go and work on a housing site. Now, for anyone that doesn't work in construction, there are so many different elements to construction, so many different projects, all involve completely different aspects of construction and, you know, materials and processes. And house building was completely different to building a tram, as you can imagine. So it was kind of like starting from scratch. And it's been this way for the last five years. Every project that I've started, and I've purposely moved projects so that I can be completely out of my comfort zone and to learn as much as I possibly can. So every project is a new learning curve and housing was, was a good one. I remember I arrived on site and the two guys that I was supposed to be looking after were doing drainage and they were fairly old guys. They just looked at me aghast and just stared at me as, as I walked up to them. And their words were, are you the uh, engineer? And I was, said yes. And they just didn't say anything. Didn't crack a face just cracked on with the work and instantly I was like oh Michelle you so got to prove yourself on this job again just incredibly lucky there was a, another engineer that worked for the company who was a great mentor for me and I wasn't afraid to ask questions I knew that if I was gonna you know hang on to this job that I really had to soak up as much information as possible and be really quick-footed on you know learning Turned out it was an amazing job. I worked there freelance for, I think, like two years. And the two guys that, you know, didn't give me the greatest confidence at the start actually became, I suppose, like champions of my work and good friends. We did lots of sites together and they were really good guys. <laughs> One of them said, I think it was on my second or third day on site, wouldn't you write I mean like it was it was snowing hard and I was freezing and my hands were freezing and I was thinking what am I doing here why have I chosen this line of work and then one of them just pops up and says oh wouldn't you prefer to work at Boots or something like behind the lipstick counter I was like oh my god that's so insulting um (laughs) But at the time, I probably would have swapped the job to work at Boots because it was awful and nobody likes working construction in the winter. It's just, you know, it's a horrible, horrible place to be. 
yeah, so I worked for that company for two years. So many different characters that I wow, one day I'm going to have to write a book about it. And some great friends were made there, other engineers I'm now still in touch with. Where did I go from there? Uh, where did I go from there? I did a few little other housing jobs here and there. And then I got contacted to see if I'd go and work for a company who were building petrol stations and retail units like Starbucks and KFCs. And did I want to go and do some engineering and project management work for them? And I thought, yeah, you know, management was something that I'd always thought about mainly because I thought they just walk around with coffee cups and drive nice cars and write emails. <laughs> Massively deluded. In fact, no, not deluded because that is what they do. But the stress that comes with project management is real. I did engineering for, I'd say, the first six months and then ended up moving into the project management side. My first little project management project for them was building an extension on a petrol station and whilst I'd done house building I'd only ever done up to like floor level I'd never really gone beyond that so technically my knowledge was limited and I was dumped on this site with two should we say two men of the older generation who were really nice and did in fact listen to me when I had to mention I'm pretty sure they knew I didn't have a clue what was going on but they helped me get through it and one day we started to pour concrete for the floor and we had in fact put the bricks down and cemented them when it was too cold and what happened was a complete and utter disaster. The concrete broke through the wall, took the wall down and spilled all the way into a dual carriageway. Now, in construction terms, this is beyond a nightmare. This is an utter disaster. This is colossal. This is... <sighs> this is probably career ending. But it didn't break me. Now I think it's absolutely hilarious what happened. And I have never built a brick wall since in extremely cold weather. But I did sit there on a Friday afternoon and think, is this career really for me? You know, I got a manager on the end of the phone shouting as, you know, he had every right to do. A client who had so many questions. And I was then trying to divert this disaster. And these two old guys who were shoveling the concrete started to run out of steam. So I actually got on the shovel myself and was like pushing the concrete back into it. Oh God, now I can see myself. It's just, yeah, it's not even funny. Yeah, it was good. Uh, <laughs> Project management perhaps wasn't for me, but that didn't deter me. No, um, I then took on a three quarter of a million pound project of a retail, I'd say retail units. I was doing a well-known chicken fast food shop, a coffee house, a massive car park and a petrol station. 
And I took this project on. I was like, do you know what? I can do this. I can manage the build. I can do the engineering. I can manage guys. I can manage subcontractors. I can manage a client. I can do this. I feel ready. I feel like 12 years worth of experience. I am ready. And then I got pregnant. Pregnancy was planned, but I just didn't really think through the pregnancy and the job. So I was doing two things that were completely new. You know, I'd never experienced being pregnant before and I'd never managed such a huge project. Doing these two things at once was hard and it almost broke me. I, you know, hormonally was all over the place. I couldn't stop eating my pregnancy. You know, I wasn't sick. I just wanted to eat everything in sight. So much so that there was a McDonald's across the way from sight and I thought they were going to ban me from, you know, completely eating all their mozzarella sticks. But I managed to keep my pregnancy a secret for like 15 weeks because I was super scared being a freelance engineer that if I'd have told my employee that I was pregnant, that they would just get rid of me because they could. So I kept it secret. I didn't want the guys to know. I didn't want them to give me any kind of special treatment. I just made sure that I was safe and that I wasn't doing any engineering work, which, you know, completely fell in line with the project management stuff. But what I didn't take into account was the stress levels. Project managing in construction is so stressful. And when you've never done it before, I think you can just add like another tenfold onto that stress level. And yeah, so keeping a secret, you know, having zero energy when I, you know, when you're pregnant, it just takes so much energy from you. Going to the toilet constantly is a pain. Yeah, it was it was hard. And I actually took a picture of myself later on in pregnancy, which became a little bit viral and helped me start this whole This Is A Man's World thing. It was published in all the national newspapers. And because I wrote on my stomach, building two things at once, and I was on my construction site. And, you know, I was. I was building two things at once. And so many people say, you know, why aren't there more women in the construction industry? And I think partly it's because attitudes, we think women don't belong in the industry. It's a scary world. There aren't many women. We're not told as young girls to go into the industry. And therefore, I think we just don't consider it. I got into it because I fell into it. But I think if you'd have said that to me when I was younger, you can be you can work in the construction industry, I would have just been like, no, that's a guy's job. Hopefully those attitudes are changing. But because this picture, I, I mean, I had no you know, idea. For the last 12 years, I'd only ever worked with men in construction. This was my world. I had no idea how, you know, in inverted commas, shocking this picture would be. It went into national newspapers. So many people got in touch with me and were like, oh, this is amazing. Not only are you working in construction, but you're also growing a child like this is empowerment to women this is incredible and looking back yeah maybe it was um but for me it was just my life at the time and I had two jobs to do and around about this time I started vlogging my work so for anyone who doesn't know what vlogging is it's essentially videoing yourself at work and I had a little YouTube channel and I was putting videos on there and what I wanted to do was share my story share my experiences so that other girls out there would realize this shy quiet girl you know who had sheltered childhood in a small private school can survive a man's world you know I'm nothing special then so can anyone else. And if you really want to do something and you want a specific job, it doesn't matter if it's predominantly been done by men in the past, 
you can do it. And so that was the reason why I started This Is A Man's World. I also started it because I started sharing stories about what was happening at work and guys I'd work with, with friends and through Facebook. And they were like, this is ridiculous. Like this stuff actually goes on. And I was like, yeah, it goes on. Some of it positive, some of it negative. And doing the videos was a way for me to be honest. And like I say, just share my experiences firsthand. And then I obviously went on to Instagram and a couple of companies. I was part of a Herbal Essence Strong Women Can advert campaign online. So the project, I finished the project, I think about a month before I finished for maternity and of documenting my time surviving that project as well as considering my next step career wise. Whilst I'd been able to continue working, I wasn't sure what the future would hold. Again, I was back at square one. Can someone that has a baby and becomes a new mom then carry on and have a career in construction? You know, is there going to be part-time work? Is there going to be flexible work? Will there be work where I don't have to be on site seven till six, you know, 12 hours a day? And it was daunting. And I took time off, had my baby and just thought, you know what, if things don't work out, then things don't work out then, you know, it's something I can report to the industry and shout about and say, hey, the reason why so many women leave construction when they get into it is because it's not flexible enough. It doesn't enable you to be a mom as well as an engineer, strict project manager, etc., etc. Lucky for me. Yeah, I don't know whether it's luck or just sheer determination, but an opportunity came up after my maternity leave to go and work for someone that I used to work for in landfill. And it was going full circle back to landfill, but not as a CQA engineer this time. I was going back to do land surveying and site engineering, which was amazing because the landfill industry is not as chaotic as construction. And so I jumped at the chance and it was a nice, steady introduction back But again, I was faced with a new challenge. Whilst I was still a freelance engineer, I would now have to hire my own kit. Engineering kit is very expensive. And I ultimately made the decision to take the risk and buy some kit. So effectively starting up another business, even though I still had a business, it was kind of putting more effort into it and starting afresh. And it's paid off. I'm now six months down the line. I have a few clients and I am able to work part time. Long may this continue. But again, what I wanted to say is it's a positive outcome. I left myself open to, you know, change and being able to move into another industry if I needed to. And that's hard at at 35, you know, when you've got an established career. But lucky enough for me, things have kind of panned out. And through social media, through sharing my story, I've been able to connect with so many like-minded women out there. Like, it's incredible sharing stories, hearing from welders, plumbers, electricians, you know, ladies that work in mining, uh, firefighters, not only construction trades, like I say, but other industries where they feel like they're part of a world 
that is a man's world and they're on their own and through social media we've all been able to connect and share stories and relate to each other and and experiences and it's a really exciting time for me so that's where this podcast has come in I'm going to be talking to my guests it's going to be less of an interview style and more of a chat chat about my experiences and their experiences and just introducing everyone into you know certain men's worlds where women are surviving and notably thriving hopefully there's some girls out there women maybe even guys that can relate to our experiences learn from them maybe be inspired by them who knows so there we go thank you so much for listening to this first episode of this is a man's world hopefully you've learned a little bit about me and you're excited to hear from my guests in this up and coming series (sighs) yeah i'm excited you know there's going to be just to give you an idea there's going to be stories about portaloos yes there's going to be stories about accidents there's going to be stories about sexist comments probably a lot of those to be fair people's attitudes crazy stupid things that have happened on site you know if anyone out there watched the english tv series only fools and horses some of the stories can put those guys to shame (laughs) so stick around like i said thank you so much for listening and yeah this has been this is a man's world and i will see you next series oh and uh if anyone out there has a question for me this anchor app if you download it you can actually leave me a voice message and any voice messages that i get i will respond to on the next podcast or i might even do specific podcasts for q a's all right if you like the podcast please 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 subscribe and tell someone else about it thank you very much